American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Give me two. Hey, everybody, look at that. That's a, boy, I've done that a couple times recently, Ben. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm usually so organized and professional, but it's a Plotso podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Welcome in. I'm Michael Govier. He's Benjamin Chase. It's a Prospects Power Half Hour. Today, we're going to look at the Blue Jays and the Phillies, the next big three with our prospects. And the prospect gurus are going to tell you who they think the next big three are for each system. We'll give you the first overall top three as they see it, and then the next big three. And you already heard his voice as I accidentally hit the live button, but hey, it happens. You know, I make mistakes. I'm a human being. But we're going to welcome in the one and only Jeff Fontes is live here from Baseball America. Jeff, welcome aboard. It's great to have you make your debut here on the Colossal Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, I've been, you know, checking you guys out for a couple of years now and, uh, you know, following along. So, and no Ben, obviously, from, from years ago. So, yeah, excited to get into this. Yeah. Yeah, Ben is the man. Ben gets all these guests here. We've been doing this series. We've been doing two teams per show over the last few weeks here. We're finishing up this sector today, right, Ben? So this is exciting, and you're the man who makes it happen. I'm I'm just glad to be aboard. Well, I I worked with Jeff back in the day with uh, Prospects Live, and uh, was you know know of his stuff, and actually knew of his stuff before that and uh you know so kind of been following his stuff for a bit and uh you know kept following his stuff as he's worked with uh baseball america and so uh but as we were getting into things and started kind of bearing down i thought you know i I definitely want to make sure i have somebody from ba involved with this and uh looked and thought you know i wonder who's who was doing the Phillies or the Jays systems? And uh, lo and behold, Jeff did the the Blue Jays system. And I thought, you know, I bet you Jeff has definitely seen a lot of the Phillies folks because their systems are up where, where I know Jeff lives. And so he's definitely seen those guys. And so he would be a good guy to have on. And so that's why I got a hold of him. And here we are. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, uh, for those, yeah. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you, do you think you have an extra insight because of what Ben said there? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I cover the Blue Jay. I mean, it's my job. It's my full-time job now. Uh, I've been, you know, blessed over the last year to, to get hired and be able to do this every day. It's, a, it's an absolute joy. Uh, made me a much happier person, <laughs> frankly. Um, <laughs> been having to do sales jobs and, you know, cranking out another 40 hours, 50 hours in the side hustle. I think you guys know what that's like. You know, it's a passion and um, something you're obsessive about, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. So you know, I tell my boss every day, I feel like I wake up in the morning and run out into Yankee stadium. You know, I get to work for BA. So, uh, it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. I got to see a lot of Phillies this year and I saw every, uh, Blue Jays is so, uh, affiliate with the exception of Vancouver and because of how late those games are and they have pretty good broadcast there in the, the Northwest league. I was typically able to come home from the park of cutting video and writing notes and, and I could, you know, slap on a Vancouver game. So I watched a lot of these teams this year for sure. Um, and then, you know, I, I had opportunities to see uh, Clearwater uh, early in the season. I got to see Jersey Shore and then uh, I got to see Reading and Lehigh Valley. So pretty much uh, all the uh, mm-hmm. all the Phillies affiliates. Well, <laughs> Philly folk. Hell yes. The Philly folk. I lived in Maniunk for a minute yeah. in Philadelphia once upon a time back in 2019 so i right around the corner there from st joe's university and Mm -hmm. a beautiful little in fact maniunk was in a movie recently hustle adam sandler's basketball movie last year when they're doing that hill with he's working with uh 
uh, his prospect there, and they're going up that hill. That hill is Maniunk. Maniunk is basically a town on a hill, and not just yeah. a hill. I'm talking like a, a hardcore hill. If you went down to Main Street or to hang out in the main area of town, you had to go up these massive stairs to get back up to Maniunk Avenue, which is the street we lived on. It was crazy. It was wild. Get those roast pork sandwiches, though, man, at the Knicks. It's my favorite yeah. sandwich in the oh, world. I love Philly. Okay. I love Philly food. So my wife's from Jersey, and I had a lot of friends that went to college at Drexel, et cetera. So we used to shoot down there a lot. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you said that because so many people say it's too much hype for the cliched cheesesteak places like Geno's and stuff. I want to hear something different like that. I do. I want to hear a fresh steak. It's good bibbles on South Street, man. That's the, that's the spot for cheesesteaks, too. I also like By George in Terminal Market which isn't too far from Denix. I got my spots. I've been all I've been all over. I've been to Philly many times. <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. All right, that's cool. Well, hey, you know, this is only a half hour show, so we got to get down go. to it. It's time going. to dive in. We went a f- we went a few minutes early from 5. Yes, so those of you that are just joining us, thanks for popping in. Let's get into I thought we'd start with Philly since we're talking about Philly. Why not start with Philadelphia and Ben, I wanted you to lead us off with your top three. So we'll talk about the top three real quick. We'll see if Jeff disagrees, gives his own top three, and then we'll do the next big three from there. So go ahead, Ben, take it away. Well, and this is actually something this organization has struggled with, and it's interesting. Right now, I think it's fairly consensus the top three for the Phillies is three arms, and it's something that they've struggled to develop recently is pitching. And uh, I've got Andrew Painter. Uh, Mick Abel and Griff McGarry. And uh, that's right now you kind of look around no matter where you're, where you're looking at most places have those three names at the top of their list. So, yeah, no, totally agree there. Um, You know, I had the opportunity to see all three of them in the same rotation toward the end of the year in Reading. Um, I think it was actually McGarry's last double A start in Hartford. And it was, you know, McGarry on Friday night um, with Andrew Baker, too, who's actually another arm that they drafted a couple of years ago, who's a really exciting guy up to 100 miles per hour with a nasty curveball, um, followed by Andrew Painter the next night. And then uh, then Mick Abel on Sunday. It was like the the traveling stuff plus road show or something. I mean, it was like seeing the the Beatles of pitching <laughs> prospects, you know, so I was I was all gassed up for that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I traveled around. I saw a majority of the pitchers that were in our, our top 100 list. Um, I think Andrew Painter is the best of the bunch. I saw Grayson. I saw Yuri uh, this year. Slight, slight difference. You know, you want to like rank those guys, however you want Grayson first, uh, Yuri first, fine. Um, personally, I think, you know, Andrew Painter, the power on the fastball, the shape on the fastball, he's a guy that gets a lot of ride, you know, 18 to 19, sometimes 20 inches of induced vertical break um, sort of uh from a higher slot, but he's really able to, to land everything. Um, sweeper slider, 81 to 83, sometimes up to 84, 85, around a foot of sweep. So mostly horizontal break, not much depth to it. He'll mix it. He'll flip in a curveball when he needs to. He's got a pretty good change up too. Just hasn't had to use it much. Um, it's yeah. kind of remarkable. He's 19 years old, was pitching in high school really, you know, less than two years ago. Got up to double A and really didn't even have to show a third pitch for it, frankly. And he, he's got... I truly think that his changeup is at least average, if not better. He just hasn't really yeah. had to use it yet. Um, McGarry might have some of the best stuff in the minor leagues. Um, we talk about that guy, you know, huge fastball, great fastball shape, a ton of power across his arsenal. He's got a cutter. He's got a slider. He's got a pretty good changeup as well. He'll flip in a curveball as well. And then you have Mick Abel, who I think for some people, I know even in the Phillies organization, think that he may have the the best stuff of the three i think that's debatable yeah. but mick abel another guy you know when i saw him in his start he was dominant as well um really athletic big kid big right hander um good fastball plus fastball ton of velocity a guy with hop got with good release traits um really good slider as well he's less so with the third pitch but uh you know i think potentially it could come so yeah this is a this is a, a really really talented trio at the, at the top of this, um, this mm-hmm. system. And I think when you look at the way the Phillies have drafted over the last like 10 years, even there hasn't really been a lot of talent. So having three potential contributors in a short period of time that all have pretty high upside is, uh, is fairly unique for this system. I don't think the Phillies have seen that in quite a while. 
That's amazing. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. That you just I mean you sold it so well there. I think there's a lot of excitement with these top three that yeah. actually as a I'm not on your guys' level. I think you guys are two excellent scouts. You really are. Even if Ben doesn't get paid anymore, Ben is Ben knows his stuff inside and out. And obviously Jeff, you're out there really doing the work, traveling, making it happen. You we were just talking before the show. Jeff was at AFL when I was there for first pitch. I just didn't get it. I didn't know that, but he said he saw us over across the way while we were having some fun that night. But he was there for business a little bit more than a guy like I was, kind of just getting to connect. And you know, I, I look around as a dynasty player. I'm like, oh okay, that's interesting. But I'm not I'm just not taking super detailed scouting notes like you guys would. So that's that's exciting. I just didn't realize the Phillies had such a top-heavy pitching, pitching yeah. lean. Yeah, that's exciting much. for me. Uh, very exciting. Uh, so do we want to do the next big three then here? Let's. Do we want to go Jeff here yeah. first or Ben? The next yeah. big three we'll beyond those top three. Go Jeff first on this one. You go Jeff first on this yeah, one. Yeah, sure. So um, three guys I have here, their first-round pick, Justin Crawford, son of Kyle Crawford, really really unbelievable athlete big projectable strength super fast shocker there right um he's got feel to hit i really think it's a matter of developing the swing path to sort of tap into the raw power that's there there is strength there's bat speed um he's a really interesting prospect um probably more raw than what you're you know necessarily looking for it's a wait and see particularly from a dynasty league sort of perspective he's a guy that you take in you hope that it pops over the next couple of years and you get a big return on your investment but there's probably going to be some wait and see there um another guy is uh who you you uh, how you lead um who obviously you know uh, uh asian import second baseman sort of a bat first second baseman contact over power um you know good approach I think he's a guy who doesn't chase too often, doesn't miss in the zone a lot. Um, really good swing decisions. He's a pretty mature player. Um, and he's a guy that I think is a is a big up-and-comer, potentially, uh, for the Phillies. And the last guy I'll throw out here is another guy that they drafted, uh, Gabriel Rincones. Um, drafted this year. Um, you know, fair, fairly big power in college. He was a, a Juco guy um, and then sort of came in. So, he, you know, he hasn't debuted not not a ton of um not a ton of sort of the experience there with rincones but um he's an interesting name and i think you'll see like within this system that there are there are these guys that um are sort of like it's a big it's a big delta between the top and the bottom carlos de la cruz mm-hmm. is another guy we saw in afl big tall guy a lot of tools yeah. but it's questionable in terms of tool you know if he really gets to it um, there's kind of this this group of players here, and then you know some other international guys. I know that Ben might uh, might point out, and and that has been the Phillies' history as they go. They have gone in their past big tools, and sometimes that's been what's bit them both. I mean, especially in pitching development, but in hitting too. And that's kind of where you know having three guys like they have on the pitching is such a big deal. But you know. Um, I have Crawford and Lee both on mine. I also have William Bergola, who's their was the kind of their big money guy that they signed last year. Um, the thing that really, really impressed me this year uh, out of his performance, and granted, it's Dominican League. You can say what you want about that, but all everyone who had a chance to report on him from down there says he is he is extremely advanced in his eye he really did well being able to spit on breakers out of the zone being able to recognize spin and you know go with it foul off stuff that he knew he couldn't do well with in order to get to a pitch that he could and that's for a guy in his first attempt at pro ball to be able to have that kind of pitch recognition. He may not be a guy who ever comes up with plus power down the road. He may not be a guy who really has double plus speed or even plus speed down the road. But if he has that kind of pitch recognition, he's going to be a pain in the butt to get out. And from all, all for all intents and purposes, it sounds like he can play a decent defense. If he can do that 
he's going to have a major league future. And for most 17 year olds, that's a pretty darn good scouting report to have. You know, if you can at 17 already have some skills that translate up the line, that's a big thing. And those are some big things to hear on somebody that young. Yeah. And I mean, the numbers, the data backs it. Um, it's only 83 plate appearances, but 12% chase rate. He didn't miss a single pitch that he swung at in the zone and had a yeah. 98% contact rate over those 83 at bats. So I'd say, yeah, pretty advanced hit tool there. And then, you know, with any of these guys, it's a really good building block. You know, obviously if you look at like the exit velocity data, it's, it's pretty bad, but um, he's so young and it's such a small sample size that you sort of have to assume that as he gets his man muscles, that can change dramatically. You know, think about what you look like at 17, 18 versus what you look like at 24, 25. It's a pretty big difference. Yeah. Now Lee, to me, Lee is a guy, I watch him hit and he reminds me of a guy that as a Braves fan, I've always hated, but at the same time respected. And that's Jeff McNeil. Cause <laughs> McNeil is a guy who just drives me bonkers because the Braves never seem to be able to get him out. He never really hits a big home run against him. Never really even seems to do big damage against him, but they never can get him out. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of hitter that it seems like Lee is. Whenever I watch him, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him get big hits, but I don't think I've ever watched him get out either. (laughs) So he's just that type of a pesky hitter that he, I mean, and he works counts and I've watched him face some pretty solid pitchers and he'll work the count and then he'll just tap one over the shortstop's head, you know, or he'll flip one between the first, second hole. And you're just like, well, God dang it. You know, if you're a pitcher, that just frustrates the crap out of you, you know, and then you got to go against the next hitter. And after that, you're probably a little frustrated and you, that might be the guy you serve the meatball up to, and it ends up three rows deep in left field. Well, then that's that's exactly what a hitter like that does. Yeah. And so that's the value of a guy like that on your team. So. Okay. Well, there it is. We'll talk about Philadelphia, the streets of Philadelphia. That's uh, kind of a sad movie, actually. We should need a more upbeat Philly tune. Probably yeah. uh, Philadelphia Freedom, maybe, by Elton John. Maybe that helps. Uh Maybe some Meek Mill. We can just throw out some Meek Mill. That might be best. But I'll tell you this. He stole some four tops, something like that, right? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I. (laughs) this is morbid again, but I I went to the place where Teddy – was it Teddy Pendergrass got in that terrible car accident on this yeah. awful bend one night? I, I just had to go check it out because I loved Teddy growing up. And, I just, you know, I was just like, oh, man, that's where everything changed. And I'll tell you, it was quite a bend, folks. Quite a bend over there. All right. Well, if you guys have comments, jump in the live chat. We got Jasper saying, here we go. Two L's, two Z's, of course. Good to see you, brother. And Chad says, here to pour one out for Mike Radcliffe passing away. Uh, yeah. Do if I, you're I don't know who this he is. Area. Up in the uh, Minnesota area, um, you kind of had a a group of Terry Ryan and Tom Kelly and Ron Gardenhire and Mike Radcliffe that really built up that Twins organization in the late 80s into the early 90s. And they stuck around when the organization kind of went through losing Puckett and having some other stuff thing, you know, that they didn't expect to happen as they were kind of rebuilding the team a little bit in the mid nineties. And so then they had to rebuild and they came back strong in the, in the early two thousands with Maurer and Morneau and those teams. Mm-hmm. And he was there through it all and did the drafting, did a lot of, you know, he was, he's one of the more respected scouts you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And, oh. uh, or, well, won't meet now. Uh, he's sadly passed away. He's been battling cancer for, gosh, six, seven years, I think, now. But really has been – the guy's won, I think, just about every award that a scout can win. Uh, really highly respected scout. And uh, I I have had the chance to interview Bill Smith a number of times. He was assistant GM with the Twins and actually was GM for a little bit when Terry Ryan stepped away and – ended up working in minor for uh, the minor league baseball headquarters and Bill Smith that when I asked him about the folks that he really enjoyed working with and who influenced his career path and 
Mike Radcliffe was, he didn't mention Terry Ryan first. Mike Radcliffe was the first guy he mentioned and how Mike kind of turned him onto a path away from scouting and more towards the front office. And that was really, he's, you know, one of those guys, he, he would get somebody he was working with and say, okay, so yeah, you have a really good scouting eye, but I think you have an ability to work with people so much better. And I think this is where you would work well and just was so good at work, you know, being able to push people up. Deron Johnson made a big comment that Mike was not afraid to go out and hire black scouts. And Deron is one of the very few scouting directors who happens to be black in major league baseball right now. That's a huge, huge deal. Um, I mean, that's one of those things that you, you just don't, here Duran worked his way up through the twins scouting department and uh was initially hired by mike so let's yeah quick quick delay off of our normal beat that we would take but yeah oh. happened to pass away just ahead of the show here today so but oh wow okay well hey i was not aware but i'm so glad that you had this in knowledge thank you ben thanks for sharing that rest in power mr radcliffe all the best uh man but you know what's great? Now we, we lose. Yeah, now we, now we, we lose can get people. Into, yeah, but we yeah. get to have fun again. You know, life goes on. Yeah. I'm sure even Mr. Radcliffe would agree. He'd want baseball to carry forth the next generation of prospects, and that's what's so beautiful about baseball. We can share and we can commiserate about the people we lost, but we shared the game with them, and then we can continue to share with others. And that's why baseball will always grow, folks. People say baseball won't grow. I did the PitchCon thing last week. I talked about baseball has its challenges. It always will have its challenges, but it also will continue to grow. It's not really my responsibility to grow it, but just through a natural love of the game for guys like Jeff and Ben and myself, it's going to continue to grow. It always will. Don't worry about the future of baseball, folks. It's in good hands. As we move into Toronto now, Ben, again, I just want to share Ben's top three real quickly here. I'll show the graphic. And uh, Jeff, I want to see what you have to say about Ben's top three Blue Jays prospects. So here it is. Any disagreements, so, Jeff? I am. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm lower on Barger by a little bit. Uh, I have him four in the system. Gabriel Martinez, I have in the teens. Um, yeah, for for fantasy, for fantasy, he definitely gets a little bit more of a bump. It's great bat to ball skills. There's a lot of power there. Um, even when he was sort of struggling early on in the season, when I saw him down in Dunedin, he was impressive. Uh, and, you know, there's some, he's one of those guys where he's somewhat divisive among scouts. Uh, folks that I speak with, you know, through my handbook process, uh, doing the reporting on the Blue Jays system. And, you know, there's there's guys who love him, think he's, you know, potentially a, a top 10 guy in the system. Those are the guys that are a little bit more lukewarm because it, Lack of defensive position. The approach is really, really hyper-aggressive. He does like to swing outside of the zone. That said, he's got special bat-to-ball skills. He's got above-average power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw, like, a guy like Curtis Mead improved his swing decisions tremendously as a young player. And, you know, it sort of catapulted him into the next sort of echelon of prospects. So it wouldn't be shocking to see Martinez take a step forward. He's still a young player. It was a really good breakout uh, 2022 for him, for sure. Um, Barger, I mean... Same thing. He had a great season. There's there's contact. There's about to ball skills. There's defensive ability. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily mm-hmm. sticks at shortstop long term. I do think he sticks yeah. in the dirt. Could play multiple positions. His approach, I wonder if it catches up to him a little bit as he starts to see upper level pitching. He was on a burner when I saw him here in New Hampshire. I mean, he was just on fire for the month and a half that he was here or whatever and was hitting everything to see in beach balls. So, you know, we'll see if that continues. It was a big improvement for him versus the kind of player he's been since he's gotten drafted. He struggled. He was on the inactive list in 2019, dealt with a pandemic, comes back in 2021. And I guess he really recommitted himself. He had a, a, a child over the off season. Uh, I don't know if it's his wife, girlfriend, partner, whatever. Um, but they said, you know, to the Blue Jays internally, the feedback I was getting was that he really sort of focused in. And that was, you know, one of the reasons he took such, such a big step forward this year. Um, there's no debate on Ricky Tiedemann, man. Uh, yeah. Ricky was one of the best pitchers I saw this year. I think I talked to you guys offline. The best pitching matchup I saw this year was Ricky Tiedemann uh, versus Kyle Harrison. Your friend Eric Cross was actually right next to me during that start. Um, I mean, those were probably – they were the two best lefty pitching prospects in baseball <laughs> yeah. going head-to-head. And Ricky is built like a tight end. I mean, he's 6'4", 6'5", 
broad shouldered, incredibly muscular. Um, he's a power pitcher, kind of a physique, really unique fastball shape. He doesn't get a lot of ride on the, on the pitch, but because of his slot, how low it is, he drops mm-hmm. down on the left side. He's got a ton of power. He's sitting 94, 95, up to 96, 97 on that pitch. Uh, and it gets a ton of arm side runs. So it almost sort of works off of his sweeper slider. He's got a ton of sweep on that thing. Uh, lower 80s, but it's 15, 16, 17 inches of horizontal break. He's got a changeup that's really good. That As an amateur, when he was uh, a top 100, he was actually a top 100 draft prospect for Baseball America twice. First as a high school player in 2020 draft. Of course, it was shortened to five rounds. No one met his number. He ended up um, unenrolling from San Diego State, ended up enrolling at, I think it was Golden West Community College, a unique community college name. I might get that one wrong. My apologies. Out in California, pitched pretty well, got drafted in the third round. But when he showed up to spring training, the reports we were getting was like, this is a guy. Like, he's taking that step forward. He's added three or four ticks under his velocity. He's tightened up some of his pitch shapes. And the thing that's unique about that fastball, I'll get back to my, my main point here, is the way it comes in with that arm side run is it almost comes in and then downshifts and kicks back out. So if you're playing, you're sitting off a of shape, so that slider, you can really get caught in between with this guy when you think about the changeup sort of moving in a similar fashion, the fastball moving in that fashion, but just 10 to 12 miles per hour faster. And then you got the sweeping slider that can just come in on the hands of the lefties, uh, righties. He can back put, he can front door to lefties. He's got a ton of control. Uh, and he can just get guys to expand the zone. I think that's something that Ricky does probably as well as anybody. So um, he's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Really exciting guy. Um, I know there's been some whispers he could be up this year. I don't know if they get that aggressive. That's pretty aggressive when you consider his background. Um, but I think the fact that he's mentioned that way kind of kind of puts things into perspective. So, yeah, yeah I agree there. Um, if you want me to throw my other two guys out there, I can. I got another two arms, uh, one being Yosver Zulueta. Um, really interesting backstory with this guy. So he defected from Cuba in 2019, came over, signed, injured his elbow, had to have Tommy John surgery. He rehabbed, missed all of 2019, rehabbed over the 2020 season, comes back. I mean, he was the talk of camp in 2021. If you look back at some of the notes you're getting from like MLB or Baseball America, whoever else, Zulouette had a lot of buzz with scouts, front office folks, etc. First batter that he faces in that 2021 season, he goes to cover first base, blows out his knee, misses the rest of the season. So we never really got this. This guy has been sort of waiting. He is 24, but I think when you consider the backstory and some of the things that he's had to go through, the fact that he came out, pitched as well as he did, made it up to AAA is pretty impressive. And much like Ricky, they sort of had to throttle down his innings a little bit later in the year because he hadn't, I mean, he threw 70 something innings pretty quickly. He hadn't seen that work in three, four years. So you, know, you got to consider that. You got to consider the process with, with defecting from Cuba. That said, the stuff is nuts. His fastball sits 98 miles an hour, touches 102. I saw it touch 102 on my gun. Trackman confirmed 102 miles per hour. That is crazy. His slider is actually even better. He's got a slider that does sweep, uh, gets a little bit of ride too. And it's a really unique shape and it's got a ton of power. Um, for a sweeper, usually they're low 80s and he's throwing that thing in the mid to high 80s. He's got a really good changeup and he's got two variations of the fastball. He's got a, a sinker and a four seamer. There are some, mm-hmm. there's some, he's another divisive prospect, but there are some scouts that truly think this guy. Um, you know, is a starter, and I can tell you that the Blue Jays turned down trades, and they're you know they're a competing team that was looking to approve. Yeah. Uh, he was not; he was off the list to be included in any trades, and I think that sort of speaks volumes. So he's one guy. The other guy I'll mention is uh, Brandon Barriera, mm-hmm. prep pedigree, another lefty. He's actually very similar in terms of style to Ricky Tiedemann. sweeping slider, a lot of power, athletic. Um, not as big as Ricky. He's a he's not small, but he's like six one, six two versus Ricky's giant size. You know, shows a little bit of a change up too. He's a really interesting guy, and you know, I think when we see the way pitching development has gone in this Blue Jays system recently, they do a pretty good job. So he's one that I'm really interested. In. Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made 6 bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true, $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation, some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way. I'm not just going to throw a commercial 
mid-sentence on you. I wouldn't do that. I respect you, and I know that's annoying. So here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from Starbucks or Spectrum, Comcast, Apple, who the hell knows. Three, a two, one. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, you know, the thing I really like about Tiedemann's build and why I don't, I, I don't see an issue with them ramping his in, innings up is he's built well from the butt down. You know, a lot of guys, you know, you get so much of a, I want to have the biceps, you know, as one of my, you know, being a football guy, my coach used to say, you know, it's, Curls are for girls. You know, what the heck is a curl going to ever do if you're trying to block somebody? It's not going to do you any good. Where you're going to be able to move somebody is going to be when you're, you know, you've got, you can squat 500 pounds. Okay, well, that makes sense. And look at the legs on guys like, you know, Verlander, on Clemens, on Nolan Ryan. Those guys have these massive thighs and they can just pitch forever. And you look at, Tiedemann and he's got these great big old honking legs and you're like okay I get it look at Spencer Strider's legs and I mean that's the type of things that I'm just like okay yeah that's I get it and uh, you know that's uh, for me with you know you're talking about to go back on, on Gabriel Martinez for me the one thing for me to put him into the top three I don't know that he has a single a single plus tool, but I don't know that he has any single tool that I would grade below average. And that's kind of an interesting thing for a guy with the success that he had. You know, he's just the only thing that I, like you mentioned, can he lay off of a pitch and he's shown enough to enough recognition to make good contact and good quality contact. 
It's just a matter of he needs to be able to lay off and recognize when he needs to say, no, I'm letting that one go by too, instead of just which ones to swing at, which ones to foul off. That's, that's where you need to get into the, okay, I need to be able to walk myself over to first base. I don't know that he's ever going to, I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy that steals 30 bases. I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy that hits you 35 home runs, but that's going to be, I just, I think that he's got a build that could really, or uh, just an overall tool set that he just could be kind of that average to above average across the board type of player that goodness gracious, you know, (laughs) that could be really a quality player overall for, for a team that, you know, if you want to have those type of guys that are just, solid everyday major leaguers that you know a team that has a guy like a vlad that has a superstar type of player that guy that just is going to come out and be a consistent productive guy every day you need guys like that on your team too that are just going to come out and be that kind of a guy and i think i don't know just watching him i really enjoyed watching him play um so next big three for you, Jeff, since we've kind of mentioned, we've mentioned a half dozen names here or so already. What's, what's your next big three? So the next three that I have on my list, and it's funny, I love Santos too. So it's a great name. Um, I have Orelvis Martinez. I have Addison Barger, as we mentioned before, and then I have Tucker Tolman, uh, who's a switch hitter, um, father, mm-hmm. longtime uh, college baseball coach, few different places, you know, total baseball rat. He's a bat-first prospect. I like him a little bit more for fantasy. Um, But it was a pretty advanced hit tool. I think there's projectable power there. I don't know so much about the defensive profile long-term. But the thing that I, you know, all these systems, all these teams sort of tend to have a style that they go after. These guys definitely like certain types of pitchers. They like stuff, certainly for the Blue Jays. Hitter-wise, they're very similar in terms of the type of hitters that they target to the Cleveland Guardians. They like guys that make contact they like guys with good approach they like guys that have a defensive position and then it's like we'll figure out the power even vladimir guerrero jr had a ton of power like raw power but in in, in order for him to be able to get to that they had to make some tweaks same thing with a guy yeah. like boba shed even lourdes guriel i think that the blue jays have gone a little under the radar in terms of the quality of their development and i think this is one of the more underrated systems in the game frankly there's yeah. a lot of interesting arms and players you know, down my board, even from like 11 to 25. Yep. I really like that. And, you know, to get to Aurelvis, because I think he's definitely one that we got to talk about just because, you know, (laughs) the the raw tools there are just, holy cow, but you got to make contact. I mean, when he does, ball go far, you know, (laughs) when he hits it, it's, it's a sound, but it's just the selection is not, great as to when he what he swings at but man when he gets a hold of one there aren't many guys who make a sound the way that he makes a sound when he gets a hold of one and it's it's fun to hear but it's and and even in the field you watch him play and you can see the raw athleticism Mm. so i mean he's still there's still a lot of an athlete there Mm. but man there's just so much every now and then he'll go, I mean, on defense, he'll go after a ball and it's like, he just got so jacked up that, Hey, I made this really cool play and he'll throw it over the top of the first baseman's head. And you're like, dude, you, you made a great play to get to that ball. And then you got yourself so jacked up. You threw it. You had plenty of time to get that runner and you got so jacked up that you, then you threw the ball way out. Come on. So He's an interesting one. I think like the hands and actions, as you said, it's short are fine. Uh, a lot of it's just the internal clock. I don't think he's a shortstop long-term. I think you could probably move him to second base or third. He's got the arm there. Um, you know, I saw him a lot in this year in New Hampshire because it's one of my closest parks. And it's just a lot easier mm-hmm. to, to work a game there than it is in Worcester where there's 8,000 fans. Like <laughs> Worcester draws more fans on a, on, a, on a game-to-game basis than the Tampa Bay Rays do. So it's, it's a little rowdy. It's, it's 8,000 people from Massachusetts in the stadium. So, wow. Yeah, it's not there easy not easy to work there. Um, but so I saw a lot of New Hampshire this year. I saw a lot of Or Elvis. And it's funny because 
if you just isolate his swing, it's a beautiful swing. It really is. Mm-hmm. The ball ability, I even think, is there. The power, the ball jumps off of his bat. Um, I mean, he's one of those guys that that even the flyouts look like majestic. So you, you know, mm-hmm. like just like he just has that sort of power. Um, the issue is the swing decisions, as you said. He loves to expand the zone. He loves to swing early in the count. I notice so often that guys could just get something in the zone and he'd just jump on the first pitch. He'd jump on the second pitch. And I think some of that, you know, he was 20 years old. He pretty much skipped all of high A. He spent a little time at the end of 2021 there in Vancouver. I really feel like he probably should have been assigned there. The other thing that was going sort of for him heading into the season, he had a tremendous training camp. He had a tremendous spring training. Um, You know, this was a guy that, uh, you know, in terms of, his performance with the major league team, people were raving about it. It seemed like his approach was better when he was around the pros. He was, you know, the mentality was good, you know, showing up to the park early, putting in the work, listening to the veterans. He was really well liked. And it seemed like he got to New Hampshire and just wanted to hit tanks. I mean, he hit 30 home runs. He set a, a New Hampshire record, and I think that's that's pretty substantial when you consider some of the guys that have spent full seasons mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. Guys, yeah. Like Bo Bichette, you know, guys like Lourdes Guriel, guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, the fact that he hit 30 there, I, I think is something to, to, you know, not totally dismiss. I think that yeah. we're sort of um, recalibrating our expectations a little bit with Orelvis. Um, but I don't think that he's all that much better or worse of a prospect versus like Addison Barger. I think there's some similarities there um, just mm-hmm. in terms of approach. He's still he's still so young. He's going to end up repeating the season at Double A. He's going to end up back at New Hampshire at least to start the year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he does put in the work in the off season. You know, tries to have a little because I felt like it wasn't even necessarily pitch recognition as much as he just didn't have a plan at the plate. Like it was like Mikel Franco. And if you remember when Franco came up, oh, yeah, Franco had all this contact and, and power, but he swung at everything, like. Franco never had an approach and never sort of figured out like, these are the pitches that I should swing at. These are the pitches I should lay off of. When I see this cue out of the pitcher's hand, I should lay back. If I see this cue out of the pitcher's hand, I should jump on it. And that's the sort of stuff, just, you know, split second decisions you have to be able to make. Um, I think it's just, he had such a native ability as a hitter that, you know, he's just got out of his approach. And the fact that he still hit 30 playing poorly, I think is kind of remarkable. Yeah. Which I mean, in that, it says something about how how good his swing is mm. that he powered out 30, how strong he is yeah. that he powered out 30, because you know it, you know that he made some mistake swings that still left the ballpark. Yeah. That he swung at some pitches that he probably didn't get best wood on that still somehow left the ballpark because he was swinging at everything. So you know that he swung at some stuff that he probably didn't get best wood on. And that's what makes it remarkable that he, yeah, that he did get that. And so it's, it's hard to really evaluate for sure where he's at as a hitter, but yeah, but so much talent. Can I ask it's you guys throw can I ask something real quick? Because, yeah. you know, they got rid of Teoscar Hernandez. Do you think this had anything to do with that? Like the possibility that Orelvis could be a part of this team in the next year and a half? Uh, Jeff think- or yeah, go ahead. I think some of it was just trying to move some assets around that they had, mm-hmm. you know, they ended up obviously acquiring Varsho um, in the Moreno trade, you know, so I think some of it was like, Hey, you know, we can, we can trade some pieces out now, get some stuff back and, you know, we'll sort of see how, how everything shakes out. Um, I had seen, so they had acquired um, Adam Mako, I believe was, uh, yeah. was, was, you know, who they, acquired back who else was in that trade was it eric swanson who's really not of much a concern yeah that goes kind of interesting you know i think it cleared some 40 man spots which is something they were looking to do Mako's pretty interesting he was a guy that i believe grew up in czechoslovakia moved to canada and so he's got this really interesting background i saw him actually in afl um before he had been traded to the blue jays um so kind of an interesting arm projection guy a couple of interesting uh, breaking ball shapes and a, a sweepier slider and then uh a slower sort of curveball down in the, the low seventies. But so then, I guess I will say my other guy, and you, you know, you mentioned him. My other next big three guy is Santos, is Dan Santos, and 
he's got some definite issues with putting the ball in the zone. Hmm. But when he does, it's really electric stuff. And there's definite third pitch concerns there too. But gosh darn it, Lace, it's just really fun to watch stuff when you get him on the mound. And I don't it's of the of the A ball guys and, and see I caught him at low A and I watched him and watched him and uh AJ Smith Shaver are the two guys that I compared or that I watched at low A, uh AJ Smith Shaver of the Braves. That just when you watch them, you're like, God, there is just something electric about that. That I don't know if that guy's going to be a starter, mm. but there is stuff there that can be used. And if that means that they're in the bullpen using that, it's going to be electric stuff when it's in the bullpen. I don't know how Santos works if he's a you know, if he can eventually be a starter, because right now that command just isn't there. But if he can get it there and polish up the third pitch enough, that that could be something. Um, but skinny guy. Yeah, I don't, he's like I uh, think Tristan he, McKenzie skinny. <laughs> yeah, he's thin, and he's like, he's like, he's 19. He doesn't even turn 20, I don't think, until the end of February. Um, it's the best slider in the system. I get a 117 on our internal stuff plus model on uh, on Santos. It's he's sexy. <laughs> 14 to 15 inches of uh, uh, of sweep, so horizontal movement, almost no depth on it at all. 27 to 2800 RPM spin. Um, the changeup, you know, I actually like his changeup. His changeup was pretty good this year. It had a 44% whiff rate on it, 39% chase rate, which is big with, with changeups. You want guys that are swinging out of the zone. And the command of it wasn't awful. It's his fastball. His fastball shape doesn't have a ton of hop. He doesn't have a ton of power yet. It's higher spin. He kind of cuts his fastball a little bit. There's some 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 characteristics. This this guy is, you know, adds two to three ticks across his entire arsenal. It's really gonna play up. You know, if he's yeah. more 93 to 96 on that fastball. He's going to get a little bit more hop on it just because of the natural spin. And some of it might just be adjusting the spin axis on it. So it just gets a little bit more um, efficient movement on it and sort of rides in that plane a little bit more. It will play up the, the slider. If that slider is at 82, 83 with that kind of movement, even if he loses an inch or two off of it, it's all right. Cause he can sort of back it up if he needs to. And the changeup isn't bad. It's it, you know, he kills lift on it, meaning he doesn't get a lot of vertical uh, uh, break on it. And he's got a nice um, vertical separation between the fastball and uh, uh, the changeup, which is about two degrees, which is something I typically look for when you're looking at like um, vertical approach angles. So, you know, the angle at which the ball comes to the plate uh, rides on yeah. a plane. When you have more than two degrees, that's typically uh, significant. You know, if you've read like Tyrion Alexander's article on tunneling, that's yeah. typically sort of a, a cue that it's tunneling pretty well off the fastball. So, I, I don't mind his changeup so much. I'm hoping he can he can improve the fastball shape a little bit, maybe add a little bit of power. He's he's one of these projection arms in this system that's really, really interesting. They got another guy, Kendry Rojas, a little bit lower in the system. Same deal. Really interesting guy. Um, it's it, I like this Blue Jays system, as I've said before. I think it's deeper than people think. You know, There's a guy like Hagen Danner in the system, converted. Kendry, yeah. He's actually a oh. guy in high school. I mean, when I saw this guy in AFL – he was like six to seven to eight with a banger, uh, uh, you know, just an absolute hammer curveball that he could he could bust out of the same release point. Guys were swinging and missing on everything. It's just been a health thing with him. If Danner's healthy, he's on the forty man roster. He's been on the forty man roster for two consecutive seasons now. He's a guy that could be up in Toronto's bullpen and potentially, you know, give them some high leverage innings. Uh, the strike throwing hasn't been bad. I think when you consider the age, kind of maybe not worry about it as much because the guy was a converted catcher spent the first couple of years of his uh, professional yeah. career as a, as a position player. Yeah. And he was, he was a favorite of mine when he was a draft prospect. I liked him a lot coming out. I thought, I, I thought a lot of him when he was coming out, I, I didn't know whether he would work off the mound or I think they were kind of featuring him when he came out as third base or catcher a lot they were kind of playing him both in in uh showcase stuff 
And uh, the bat worked, but then once he moved back behind the plate, it's it's kind of one of those a lot of times you see a catcher, the more you work at catcher, the less work your bat gets. And a lot of times that bat disappears, and that's sadly kind of what happened for him. And the injuries piled up behind the plate with him. And, man, when he is on the mound and he's at it, He's just, it's fun. It's fun stuff to watch. And yeah, I, I like it a lot. So a lot of fun. No, they, well, there's a lot of, it's, I mean, go ahead, man. It says it's, it's a good system. I, I, uh, last year I kind of compared the Indians and the blue Jays system. Now the Indian system is continue. I mean, they continue to do what they do pitching wise. The blue Jays kind of has, struggle a little bit they've had a little bit more struggle with guys uh like or guys finishing their development let's put it that way the blue jays have, have had a real nice have done real well identifying talent it's getting that final step out of some of their guys hasn't been so great whereas the indians seem to just take guys and they they do get that final step out of their guys and bring them up to the majors and develop especially pitching quite a few guys um yeah so but otherwise i think they both have very good systems as far as they develop a lot of depth that people just get blown away by oh my gosh who is this pitcher that's busting out a seven grade slider you know that's you know in a ball and i've never heard his name before and you know geez suddenly this guy's got the best slider in baseball well yeah, that's that's what the the Blue Jays do, you know, or that's what the Indians do, and that's what they develop. And oh, geez, who is this crazy Guardians. athletic? Or sorry, slip up. Um, the, it's okay. They're the Guardians yeah. now. I'm just saying. So. Yeah, they are the Guardians. I need to get over that. I do really well. It's Forty when I years write it of out. living. Yeah, you, you've been yeah, living a. Yeah. Now imagine how difficult it was for people in Washington when they changed the football team's name. That's all they ever knew. Imagine if you're like 70 years old. I bet there's a lot of people just say, I don't care. I'm just going to say what I want. But that's actually a worse name than the Indians. At least Indians is just like a name. I think the R team name for Washington, much worse than the Indians name, in my opinion. And I don't really think it's up for debate, frankly. But, guys, uh, we've gone way over, but I wanted to uh, get as much as we could out of Jeff here. That's okay. We got a lot of great information. And there was one thing. By the way, there's a couple things here. First off, uh, Ben is writing for Rotorballer now. Ben, I just saw this. You dropped it in our Palazzo Podcast Discord, which is totally free. You did a top 25 rankings piece, right? For Of uh, redraft prospects, yes. So redraft only. And my first-year player draft one will be coming out. It's being edited and such things, and then they want me to expand that too, but... Right now, they oh, yeah. want a 25 and get it up sort of thing. So, Awesome. It's, I'm glad to hear that, it's man. That's great news. Yeah. I mean, you could do more if you wanted to. I assume you just did this because you thought, hey, you know, maybe I'll do a little bit extra work. You could, I think you could probably get a lot more opportunities if you chose to. I really believe that. In fact, I know that. During basketball season, I don't know that I can write a whole lot more because you know. exactly that's the point. <laughs> you t- I mean, you cover the local scene there. You really care about it, and it's important to you, and it's your job. So that's what matters most right now. But there'll be more to come from you at Rotoballer, Jeff. Of course, Baseball America has got a big summit coming up later this month. It's a fantasy baseball summit. Let's talk yeah, about that. Me. Fill me in. Yeah. So uh, February 25th, uh, we got the Fantasy Baseball Summit, Baseball America Fantasy Baseball Summit. It's the first time that we've done this. Um, we hired Dylan White. We're going to be building out our, our fantasy side of things. You know, this week we've released uh, a fantasy uh, top 100 prospects, you know, kind of compare and contrast uh, with our regular top 100 prospects. Our, um, uh, post the course, Dylan wrote that up a little bit. Uh, first year player draft stuff as well, but the summit I'm really excited about. We're going to have, you know, some of the biggest names, uh, you know, in fantasy baseball, particularly dynasty, I think because of our background is mostly doing prospect coverage and minor league coverage and the draft coverage. We're obviously sort of, you know, it's very simpatico uh, with the dynasty world. So that's what a lot of the focus is. You know, we've got James Anderson in there, Um, Jeff Zimmerman, who I read the process actually after I finished writing the handbook and was just blown away at the quality of that book. Um, even some things that maybe as a experienced baseball player, you know, I just feel like 
that was like a boot camp, right? To get yourself sort of in, in shape for the year, try some things out, think of some things differently. Uh, him and Tanner are tremendous. Tanner unfortunately couldn't do it, but Jeff will be there. Gray Albright uh, from Rasball will be there. Um, Cross. Cross, Chris Clegg, Chris Blessing. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. So, James Anderson, who was just on our show. James yeah, was on James, the, recently. Yeah. Earlier. yeah, you know, uh, I love James, obviously. So excited to have him involved. Um, yeah, it should be great. We're going to cover, you know, a lot of different topics. Um, you know, we, we're going to have uh, Rob DiPietro in, involved and in doing some of the uh, NFBC stuff that he does. You know, I, I love Rob. Rob love listening to his, his pull hitter podcast. Was on it a couple of weeks ago and really enjoyed talking with him. Um, so I'm just trying to involve, you know, as many folks as I possibly can uh, in the fantasy industry um, and, you know, get their names out there, give them an opportunity to get you in know, a platform. Um, it's going to all be hosted right on the Baseball America website, sort of, you know, get their names out there, maybe get exposed to um, some other fans, some other readers, some other listeners that maybe aren't familiar with their work. Um, because I know that there are some, you know, some, some crossovers with Baseball America, and there's probably some folks that maybe are, you know, getting into fantasy for the first time or aren't necessarily as hardcore in terms of the stuff that they read and, and follow. So, you know, my hope is to uh, get out there and just add a little bit more to the community. I think anybody that's been involved in fantasy baseball for a long period of time realizes that that community uh, of folks and um, the people you get to know along the way is, you know, really the best part, not even to be corny. Uh, it really is. And some of my best friends are from fantasy baseball. And I, I said this on the Pulitzer podcast last week. I mean, I started writing about baseball when my daughter was born um, in, you know, 2013. And uh, from then, I've uh, I've grown. I started a website. You know, I've worked at Rasball for a long time. Started Prospects Live with some of my friends. Uh, was able, you know, to be fortunate enough to have the opportunity to then go and do this full time with Baseball America. And uh, a lot of, I mean, the entry point was fantasy baseball. So I think it's a great way. We talk about growing the game. I think fantasy baseball. I think any any of these things that are fun, a way that you can get interactive and sort of learn learn your own path. Uh, within the game and the things that you find interesting, I think that that entry point is is really great with fantasy baseball. And we've had some good folks like you know Eric Cross and others that I think really do a good job of sort of um, being an entry point for a lot of people into into the fantasy baseball and prospect world and minor league coverage, etc. Um, the more the merrier is how I look at it. Man. Absolutely, I love it, man. I'm all for it. By the way, two things, uh, Dylan White. I, I didn't really know who you were. Again, I'm clueless. Doesn't mean I know everybody or know everything. I'm not all knowing here. But Dylan, sounds like you're a really cool dude who knows his stuff. So hope to get to know yeah. you someday soon. I called out. Uh, I didn't mean to. I called out Derek Cardi last week on the PitchCon thing I did. I didn't really call him out. I just said how I saw him twice at the last two first pitch Arizonas, and I. I passed him by a few times, and I saw him milling around a bunch of times, but I never actually talked to him. And then he hit me up on Twitter last week. He's like, hey, man, yeah, I'm down to talk with you anytime. Let's hang out. So you're right. He's, it's, it's just really one conversation away. All you got to do is tell somebody, hey, I'd like to get to know you, and most people are amenable to that. One other thing, I don't want to blow up your spot with the summit. I, I will say this just because I think it's funny, and there is nobody who's more honest than Jeff Zimmerman. Jeff Zimmerman, is, he, just tells, he can't help but just tell you exactly what he's thinking at all times and i was talking to him in the hallway at first pitch back in november <laughs> i started talking about prospects he's like i don't do prospects man and i'm like what oh i'm mean, I'm sure it was just a funny line to feel he's gonna be on the baseball america panel but you also want to have a balance i get it yeah, i just thought I it was funny to talk about, <laughs> i want him to talk about some of the the work that he's done and the rule changes if you haven't gotten the new um the process book with him and tanner they go into some of it, and Jeff in particular did a lot of that work, and I thought it was great, really insightful. Yes. And even somebody oh, yeah. who saw 100-plus minor league games last year and was very experienced and, and had sort of firsthand anecdotal you know, uh, feelings on the pitch clock and you know um, uh, the, the checking in terms of the throws to first base and some of those things. Um, it was just good to get another set of eyes that was data-based. And mm-hmm. I, mean, Jeff, I mean, Jeff is a legend for the reasons, you know, uh, for those reasons, I mean, he does great work and, and he yeah. does, he does the background work to make sure that, you know, he's got tangible data that backs the things that he says. And I really appreciate that. 100%. All right. Well, there it is. Make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter. It's Jeff, like Jeffrey from Toys R Us. If you're old like me, that's what I think of when I see it spelled G E O F F. 
Geoff. No, Jeff I... Pontus on Twitter. Jeff Pontus BA. Of course, Big Gentle Ben on Twitter. I'm at MJ Govier. Lots of podcasts. You talk. Two L's, two Z's. Give me two. That's how we do it here. Thank you so much to Jeff. This was a great show. We hope you guys took away some excellent pieces of information on the Blue Jays and the Phillies' next big three. Donovan says, great show. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, I'm Michael Govier. He's Jeff Pontus. And that's Big Gentle Ben. We'll catch out. He's working rotoballer now. We'll see you guys next week. Power prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.